We thought week eight of the NFL season was a bit wacky, but we had no idea what to expect from week nine. The 49ers were outclassed and embarrassed by an Arizona team without Cal Murray and DeAndre Hopkins. The Bills lost in a 9-6 to the Jacks, the Broncos crushed the Cowboys and the Rams didn't show up in front of Paris Hilton of all people in a primetime loss to the Titans while the Riders did wider things and lost against the Giants at MetLife Stadium. The Browns, however, are back 41-16, an absolute smackdown of the Bengals and with the OBJ drama and the Week 9 victory over the Bengals behind them, the Browns head to Foxborough to face Mac Jones and the Pats in an AFC contest headlining the Week 10 action. NFL Week 10 betting kicks off with Thursday night football clash between the Ravens and the Dolphins, followed by a matchup between the Browns and the Patriots, and a Monday night football showdown between the Rams and the 49ers. So much to cover, that's why our NFL crew will be back live this Friday, 12 p.m. Eastern, for our usual pick show. So set your reminders, enjoy the show. NFL Week 10 just around the corner, and Chris, I'm so excited to get those words out because Week 9, great for the books, but on the flip side, pretty rough for the betters, including our official show picks last week, so it's time to process those results and move forward. Yeah, you know, I just happen to remember that Week 9 has is, is gotten me analyzing over the last uh, six and a half years. It's the one week that I do not have a winning record over that time period. So I don't know what it is about week nine, uh, but uh, it, it just seems to get me. And uh, the the amazing thing is, is usually, you know, the sports books won big this week. And that's usually a time period where I win. So a little frustrating that I didn't win this week when the books really made bank. So it's been a really odd year. And, and, and Scott, you've got some data to, that points out some oddities, don't you? Yeah. Well, first of all, the whole week nine thing, I, you know, I, I'm not attaching anything to this, but I've also struggled in the past in week nine. So I just kind of find that funny that uh, you said the same thing, but I'm looking last week uh, and see if I can pull it up here. Miami wins the game. They averaged 3.6 yards of play. Um, Let's see. Jacksonville wins. They averaged 3.8 yards of play. Tennessee wins. They averaged 3.5 yards of play. There's a couple teams that won also that were averaging basically 4.5, 4.6 yards of play. I don't know that I've ever seen three teams win like that in the three between three and four yards per play. That is just very, very strange. And it's not like Jacksonville beat some other. It's not like you know Miami beat Houston. Okay, maybe. Um, Jacksonville beat Buffalo, who obviously played horrible, but, um, I just, that is very, very strange. I've just never seen that before. Um, that many teams winning games with that poor of offensive output. You know, I noticed something other, uh, something different on my model that I haven't seen before. And there is such a disparity between the bad teams and the good teams this year, because there's more bad teams this season that even when some of these bad teams have a really bad game, they're not losing value uh, overall in my model. They, they, they maintain even after a bad game. So uh, very odd to see that. Yeah, the one trend that uh, I'll follow up on from week nine the past couple years, I've noticed uh, on a podcast I do, that is the week that I've consistently been featuring Celebration Ale by Sierra Nevada, an annual rite of passage for any beer fans out there. So maybe next year in week nine, guys, we just 
pass on the betting board, pick up all the celebration ale we can and, and have a good party that way, bringing the hops to the forefront. But we'll put a pin in that for this time next year with week 10, again, just around the corner. We'll look to find some early edges on the betting board and a couple housekeeping items before we get there. First off, if you're joining us on YouTube, go ahead and give us a quick thumbs up, subscribe to the channel. And as always, jump in that chat. Let us know if you have any questions as we take our early look at Week 10. And if you have any strong thoughts on some of the games we'll get to, you can always get and play yourself by signing up at BetUS using the promo code NFL2021 for a 125% sign-up bonus. And for more information on that offer, you can check out the link below this video. Guys, let's get to it with our early look at Week 10. And as we always kick things off on Tuesdays, we're going to pull up a full-screen graphic with our record so far this season. And fortunately, we emerged from the damage still with winning records across the board. So we'll see how we can build on that. Chris at 24 and 23 on the season, myself at 17 and 14, and Scott at 15 and 12. So we'll look to uh, get further into the black after a pretty rough go of it in week nine. Guys, we're ready to dive into it for week 10. And Chris, why don't you kick us off with the cornerstone of these Tuesday shows, your rapid fire line move prediction, looking at the week 10 board. Uh, yeah, this week, uh, this is a really interesting week with what's going to happen with the line moves. Uh, I, I don't think Baltimore is going to see a seven again. In fact, uh, I think it's just going to get an overwhelming amount of support on parlays and teasers. So uh, it, it should tick up, if anything. Uh, looking at Indianapolis, that's a uh, it should be probably the same as last week, where it's just kind of tinkering around between 10 and 11. So shop your lines, depending on who you like. Uh, this Cleveland game, uh, New England, it, it's all obviously based on whether there's more COVID information. Uh, Cleveland was getting the early support up until uh, they announced uh, people out with uh, COVID today. So uh, it, it, it's a little unpredictable there. Uh, Dallas, I think, uh, will probably get a little bit more support and may see that 10. So if you like them, I, I don't see that going down to seven. Buffalo, that's going to be a tough call after the way they laid that egg last week. So uh, it's sitting at 13. It seems stable at 13. I'm not sure who, where that thing's going. New Orleans, Tennessee, Tennessee, that's ticking down. New Orleans is getting the support uh, now, but I wouldn't be surprised on game day to see Tennessee uh, get some more support and uh, put that line back up. But uh, New Orleans is uh, the direction early. Tampa Bay has a big number. And Washington seems to get irrational support, but I, I still think that uh, we won't see a seven on that game, and uh, we might see a ten. Uh, Pittsburgh, I don't think we're going to see a seven at all on that game. I'm not sure we see a ten, but if uh, between the two, I think we'd see a ten before we see a seven. And Minnesota Chargers, that line is right where it probably deserves to be and should throttle between two and a half and three. Uh, Arizona, that seems a little hefty of a line. I think uh, that's going to sit right where it is. It might get some Carolina support later on, but uh, Arizona could get more support later on, depending on who uh, they announce in for quarterback. Uh, Green Bay is entirely dependent on the quarterback situation. It's been, uh, it, it was up at five. It's back down to three. Uh, there's no real way of saying where this is going until we know that news. Uh, Denver seems to be th at three, and that seems to be probably a good number unless the UK betting group comes in and pounds those Eagles again. 
Uh, Kansas City is sitting at two and a half. I know that they're going to get some support. I see that line hitting three. Whether it stays at three, I'm not so sure. I think the Raiders will get some support too. And Rams sitting at four. I hear a lot of people saying it's going to go up, but it hasn't moved up. But I think that uh, four is good, and if anything, it probably does go up. Yeah, well, Chris, you were spot on with your line movement forecast last week, as you have been throughout much of the season. So good food for thought there. And Scott, as always, injury news that we get over these next few days going to affect some of the line movement we see. Which injuries are you keeping a particularly close eye on? Yeah, and when we're looking at these, Matt, we're trying to find injuries that, I mean, we all know about uh, Kyler Murray and stuff like that. So we're trying to find a few things here that uh, maybe are a little bit behind the scenes. And also, uh, I tried to pick some stuff that maybe has an impact based on the, the opposition they're playing this week as well. But for the Panthers, they lost both their center, Matt Paradis, and left tackle Cam Irving. Uh, so that is a cluster of injuries on the offensive line that could obviously impact them. And they're playing a team with a pretty good defense there in Arizona. Uh, so they could have some problems this week just because of that. The Saints, uh, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, cornerback, uh, he also is out right now. Uh, and again, they're playing a team, Tennessee, who's going to ha- throw the ball to receivers. And he's a pretty core part of their secondary as well. Ravens lose their safety, Deshaun Elliott, for the season. Uh, he's not a tremendous safety, but he's a pretty good safety for them. So it's just another missing part in the secondary. Uh, Bills, Teron Johnson, cornerback, uh, very good cornerback for them. Uh, he's in concussion protocol. Uh, that could impact them as well. Uh, the Packers, just because they've had a lot of injuries in the secondary already, and they lost their uh, rookie cornerback Eric Stokes last week, so we need to see where that goes. And then also Kenny Clark on the defensive line. Kenny Clark on the defensive line is right up there as far as pressures and sacks for Green Bay, basically second on the team. So that is a big loss if he can't go. Uh, Eagles' best cornerback, more than likely, here is Darius Slay. Need to check his status. Washington loses their defensive lineman, Montez Sweat. Again, like Clark, uh, second in pressures and I think second or first in sacks on that team. So that's a big loss on the defensive line. And then, of course, uh, Chris alluded to this a little bit. Uh, Nick Chubb uh, on COVID, so it remains to be seen if he can play. Uh, now, they, they should get back their other key running back in this game, uh, potentially, um, but they've also lost some other running backs there. So regardless, they're going to be a little light at the running back position uh, as well. Yeah, and let's use that Nick Chubb news that came in this morning as we were starting to do some early prep for the show to talk about the first of a couple games we'll break down on the Sunday board, and that would be Cleveland heading to New England to take on the Patriots. The Patriots currently laying one at minus 120. There are some minus one and a halfs out there across the market for teaser players. More on that in a moment. Total in this one sitting at 45. And Chris, how does that Nick Chubb news we got today affect your outlook on this game? Yeah, frankly, it was disappointing because uh, Cleveland had a lot of support and uh, the line was just getting better and better for me because I'm on New England this week again. Um, I, I just think, uh, as I mentioned last week, New England keeps on getting stronger and stronger and they're, they're just getting the job done week after week. Uh, they've improved four out of the last five weeks uh, while Cleveland has uh, is down three out of the last four weeks in their performances. And I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, that was an impressive win by the Browns last week. But are we positive that that was the Browns being really good? Uh, I think Mayfield only threw 14 passes. Uh, they had all those big plays. Uh, maybe the Bungles are the Bungles again. We don't know for sure. So 
Uh, I'm not sold on Cleveland entirely. And when you add on this COVID stuff, uh, it, it's just going to help out New England as far as I'm concerned. I think the Patriots actually have a chance to win this division, frankly. Uh, they're one of seven teams only that have improved offensively and defensively over the last five weeks. So uh, I wish I could have had a better line because I, I would have gotten a plus one and a half, plus two on this, but uh, uh, I'll take what I can get at this point. Yeah, one of the things you noted, Chris, Cleveland down three of the last four weeks. I assume this past week is the one week that they were trending up during that time stretch. And I think part of that must have to do with their defense finally getting healthy. Denzel Ward, it seems like every week he's questionable, and he was a force against the Bengals on Sunday. And part of that return to health for the Browns' defense is why I'm not necessarily going head-to-head with you here, but I'm going to go ahead and tease the Browns. Again, plenty of one-and-a-halves across the market right now, so that's my look at this game. Largely a numbers grab, crossing through those key numbers of three and seven. And aside from the Browns' defense getting healthier, I think a low total in this one, relatively speaking, in 2021, that total of 45 being fairly low, that magnifies the relative value of each point we get in a teaser, crossing an underdog up through three and seven. So I see plenty of reason to be bullish on the Patriots. I also like the Browns, and in this case, I don't have to bet against either team necessarily by going ahead and teasing the Browns up through the seven. Scott, how do you look at this one? Uh, I'm pretty neutral on this one, Matt. I made the line uh, Cleveland 1.1, so a little bit of value there with Cleveland. I made the total 45. Um, got a nice little situation that actually goes against Cleveland, so that would favor New England. Um, I, I'm not playing the game. Uh, you know, to your point, this is a perfect um, uh, teaser opportunity, but one of the metrics I use doesn't actually put this in a category uh, where I would tease it. So for me, I'm going to be sitting on the sideline watching it and um, – We'll see. I, I'm kind of with Chris and, you know, they, Cleveland averaged 4.6 yards of play last week, but they ran the ball, like like Chris said, 39 times. So that kind of diluted their overall yards per play number. But um, I don't know how good they are right now, but uh, and New England's trending well. But for me, it, it's a no play. Yeah, I think this New England team's a hell of a lot better than people realize. And uh, I'm just enjoying getting extra value on them every week. It, it just seems... Uh, it just seems like a blessing in disguise. I have uh, New England in the top three on de- defense uh, overall, which is you know was a shocker. And I've got them number eleven offensively. And I'm sure both of those may be higher ratings than a lot of people may have, but uh, that's what I'm using. And uh, Cleveland obviously is worse on uh, both fronts on, in those departments. And Chris, on that note, I know you keep your own set of 55 metrics, and sometimes we'll reference stats like DVOA or EPA per play. Is there anything with the Patriots that your metrics that might not be as much out in the mainstream would have you looking at the Patriots as a better defensive team as well as a better offensive team than you think they're getting credit for? Well, you know, you have to remember something. Their schedule has been a little bit uh, easier than some teams, so you have to kind of factor that in. So while I have them up uh, rated that high, I have to, you know, I have to manually make some sort of an allotment for that uh, uh, scheduling quirk that uh, they have. So uh, I, I haven't broken it. I haven't had time. I just had the numbers, so I haven't had a chance to take a real close look at anything but the bulk numbers. Got it. All right. Well, Scott, go ahead. Jump back in with one more point here. I'll just say, I mean, to your point there, Chris, like when I look at my numbers, I am looking at the competition they've played and I still have them above average running the ball, stopping the run, stopping the pass. They're about average throwing the ball. And that is factoring in, you know, maybe the so-called easier competition. So 
I still think they're above average based on all that stuff when you factor that in. So, yeah, yeah. Well, a pivotal AFC showdown in Foxborough on Sunday between the the Browns and the Patriots. We've got action on both sides in that one. Another AFC game on Sunday we're going to get to. Not a lot of action for us, but we're going to break it down now to spare the audience some time on our Friday show. And that would be the Jags traveling to Indianapolis to take on the Colts, where the Colts are currently a double-digit home favorite, 10.5 points at even money, total 47.5. Chris, what's your outlook for this one? Um, no, thank you. No. <laughs> um, this is just one of those games where you... I, I, I don't know what it is about this type of game, but I just never want anything to do with them, usually. Uh, the one thing that I can tell you about the Colts, they are one of two teams in the NFL that have gotten better each and every week over the last five weeks. Uh, and uh, they're an impressive team. They've got a lot going for them. They, they could just be that closing horse that really could do some damage if they can somehow stay healthy. Their schedule lightens up. Uh, this is another game that they're supposed to win. Uh, Jacksonville partied the whole week long because they got their win. And uh, but I, I don't need to step in front of this. I, I just don't. I just uh, watch something else on TV or something. Yeah, I'll go ahead and steal a page from your playbook, Chris, and uh, give this game a, a bit of a label outside the scope of t- typical football talk. And that would be for me the Michaela is not impressed game because the Jags. Even though they got that big one over Buffalo, I have a hard time being too impressed by it. Scott, you mentioned less than four yards per play. Got to wonder if there was a Freaky Friday kind of thing going on with the wrong Josh Allen between those two rosters playing quarterback for Buffalo. And on the Colts side of things, I know their backers got a pretty cold sweat last week in the end game on Thursday night against the Jets. I think they deserved a smoother ride. Indy still plus 2.2 yards per play against the Jets despite a lot of New York production and garbage time. The Colts also coming into this one with some extra rest. So it's just a lean for me their way. And Scott, what do you make of this AFC South showdown on Sunday? Yeah, it's no play for me, Matt. I made the number seven and a half uh, and the total 47. But I think the number is a little light, kind of to Chris's point, where the number that number is reflecting the whole season, plus some priors. Um, so it doesn't really take into account what the Colts have done here recently. Uh, and I think it's been pretty impressive. And um and they're playing another team kind of like the Jets from last week that they stomped all over. They won this game last year here 28-14, won the year before here 33-13. They they have trouble in Jacksonville. We'll talk about that down the road. Uh, but they won in convincing fashion in the last two years here. And this team this year is kind of like last year's team. It's Carson Wentz and instead of Phillip Rivers. Jacksonville's kind of like last year. It would not surprise me to see them win by double digits here at all. Uh, if I did anything, I would play the Colts in this game. I'm just not interested in laying 10 and a half points. Maybe if it came under 10, I'd get more interested. But um, um, I don't want Jacksonville after that big win. I would look Colts or anything, but right now I'm not playing anything. Yeah, I have my ratings uh, just a little bit higher than this, maybe uh, a little bit over 12. And an unusual anomaly with this, Jacksonville gets that nice win against Buffalo, but their metric rating literally did not change. And I go four numbers in, so very strange. Yeah, well, Chris, before we get to the Thursday nighter, um, it looks like we have a game involving an NFC team that you might want to touch on briefly here. We don't have an official graphic for it, but speak to us for uh, the audience to learn about your early look at the Saints-Titans game coming up on Sunday. Um, 
Well, I, I really had no choice but to make a quick uh, decision on the fly on this because the, the, the line seemed to be slipping. I thought Tennessee would get more support and drive the line up a little bit, uh, but it seems to be a case of uh, of uh, as well as Tennessee has played, uh, the you know, this is their highest point in the season. They've just been manhandling teams. Uh, people are taking the Saints already, and – uh, to me, it's it's really obvious. I just hoped it wouldn't have been uh, as obvious. I've got the Saints as the favorite in this game somehow. Uh, I've got a bad taste in my mouth from last week uh, when they lost against Atlanta. Uh, but Atlanta overall is the better team over the course of the season. And amazingly enough, New Orleans is getting better every – they're the other team that's gotten five weeks in a row better and better. Even though they struggled last week against Atlanta, they're doing things better each and every week. And, uh, I, I, you know, this is a pure uh, play on my system because the number is just so far off. So uh, I like the Saints plus the three. And, uh, my, and I like it even more because my brain hates it. And, uh <laughs> I, I can't, if I didn't have a metric model, I'd never win anything because I'm a sucker. <laughs> so I, I have to start from the model and then work from there. So, but if I like something with my head or I dislike something with my head, forget it. It's opposite day. Cool. Well, we'll see how this one shapes up over the next few days. Scott, any initial thoughts on Titan Saints? Uh, I'm with Chris on that. I made the number, uh, I think, about one for New Orleans. Got some pretty good situations on them. Um, I kind of wanted to take a look at this a little bit more uh, before I made a call on it. And if it goes down to two and a half, it would be, a, I think, a, a very good teaser opportunity as well in case you missed the three. So, I mean, we can hit on briefly Friday if, if something more comes from it on my part. But I'm with Chris on this. Yeah, a couple of different possible angles with some good value to be in play on the Saints this weekend. And yeah, we probably will circle back on this on Friday as the market develops a little bit further. So let's move on, guys, to our Thursday night breakdown. And that pits the Ravens against the Dolphins. Baltimore currently laying seven and a half on the road, total 46 and a half. And Scott, all three of us are teasing the Ravens in this one. Who are you pairing them with and what has you looking to back Baltimore here? Yeah, I'm teasing them with Vegas, and we'll get into that game on Friday. Obviously, it's more maybe more of a play against Kansas City than anything, but uh, again, we'll talk about that on Friday. Uh, I like Baltimore here. I mean, Miami, I had Houston last week. Tyrod Taylor played just awful. Uh, you know, a, a big part of that play was really they were going to get upgraded at the quarterback position with Taylor coming in versus Davis Mills, and that clearly did not happen. Uh, and that was a big part of it because, as I said earlier, Miami earned or averaged under four yards of play in that game. They were they were just equally as bad. Um, and if they play like that again this week, and there's a good chance Tua may not play, it's a Thursday game, so that finger is still a problem. Uh, I, I feel like Baltimore will steamroll them in this game. I made the number seven and a half. Um, and we talked about this on the preseason. Baltimore is a road favorite with uh, Lamar Jackson. They're now, I think, 13-2 and two or 14-3 and three straight up. Uh, I'd have to find that number real quick. Uh, but they basically win these games as road favorites, uh, and that's essentially what we're asking them to do here uh, as a teaser. Yes, they have to win by two, but um, I think they're more than capable to win this game. They tend to steamroll these teams a little bit. Um, I like Baltimore in the game as a teaser. Yeah, I'm glad to hear it. I'm with you teasing the Ravens, and that'll close out what I mentioned earlier with a teaser on the Browns. And looking to both back the Ravens as well as fade the Dolphins in this spot, can't help but ask whether the Dolphins won or Houston lost that game on Sunday, Scott. To your point, 
nine turnovers in that one. And David Coley, I mean, it's the fourth quarter. You're down by 11. You've got the ball, fourth and goal at the two, kicking a field goal. You know, when you're just betting on bad teams and bad coaches like that, <laughs> laying minus 110, might as well be laying extra big as Chris plugs his ears, rightfully so. So uh, now it's time to talk about why I'm excited to back Baltimore here. Uh, Scott, I'm excited to see your note about the Ravens being strong, 13-2 and two straight up as a road favorite with Lamar Jackson because this is their first road game since week four, four out of their next five now coming on the road. So a little hesitancy on my part to lay the full number seven and a half, knowing that this might be the peak of Baltimore's value in the market's eyes after some good home cooking. But as a teaser leg, another good number grab, taking the clearly superior team to do a little more than win outright. And one note I took away from last week's win for the Ravens against the Vikings, Baltimore got 36 first downs to just 13 for Minnesota. I think that 36 to 13 number might be a slightly better indication of the final score in that game. I mean, I know it was close and it went to overtime, Baltimore only winning by a field goal, but the Vikings were plus two in turnovers and returned a kick for a touchdown. So for Baltimore to still overcome it spoke volumes to me and play with the Ravens as well on a teaser. And Chris, you're teasing Baltimore as well. Yeah, I actually played them earlier in the week minus the seven, but I wouldn't want to lay more than a seven, but I, I do... Uh, I do like Baltimore on the teaser, uh, on a first leg of a teaser. I have a little, I have a few concerns on Baltimore that they have actually regressed the last three times. And I like to watch the trends over the course of the season, whether teams are getting better or teams are getting worse. Uh, you have to read more into it than simply that, obviously, but uh, that's something I don't like. And if you remember, Baltimore's always been this one team. When they played the bad teams, they put them away. I mean, you could count on them. We talked about this in divisional previews. They could just name their their price. But this year, they're not doing that. And that scares me. And they didn't used to be the team that came from behind. Like, if they got behind, they were done. Jackson couldn't be the guy that came. But I, I believe they've come back in four games this season, if not five. And that's atypical of a Baltimore team. So a little bit of a red flag developing, uh, something to keep an eye on. If, if they can't start putting away these bad teams, uh, that's going to be an issue. But I think that they're good enough uh, uh, to handle Miami. I have Baltimore number two in offense. And here's another red flag. I only have them at number 18 on, on, uh, on, uh, on defense. And usually... They're, they are up there near the top in the top five, top 10. And the fact that they're not in the top 15, another alarm bell. But Miami's number 32 in offense, number 26 in defense. They finally moved out of the cellar in my rankings. And I think Baltimore can handle them. Yeah, so it's unanimous as far as the three of us are concerned with teasing the Ravens on Thursday Night Football. And as far as those picks go, Chris teasing Baltimore with Minnesota. I'm teasing Baltimore with Cleveland and Scott going ahead and teasing Baltimore with Las Vegas. More on that Raiders Chiefs game on our Friday show. Beyond the Thursday night picks, we also did have, again, Chris laying the one with the Patriots, taking the Saints plus three. And Scott, we can see on Friday if we still want to look at the Saints plus three or if they're two and a half, maybe another strong teaser leg on the week 10 card. That'll do it for our early look at the Week 10 board. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, guys, really quick, we do have a last-minute question, so we're not quite done yet. From the Q&A, do you think the Bengals are for real? Can't figure that team out after how they looked against the Browns. 
Chris, I'll kick it over to you because beyond how they looked against the Browns, the week before against the Jets, again, that defense, a positive storyline over the first half of the season, but two pretty dicey weeks in a row for that Cincinnati D. Well, you know, I like Cincinnati. Uh, I've got mixed I've got mixed reactions on this because I've seen that uh, obviously the last two weeks haven't been good for them. But over the last five weeks, they're one of the seven teams that's improved against the rest of the league in both offense and defense. So I'll be really interested to see what they do in their next game because we don't know. We just don't know. And they had a, uh, I know they lost somebody for the season. Uh, 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 Scott, do you remember who that is? Uh, I don't actually know. It was a safety. Um, I I don't know how what kind of an effect that's going to have on a team that we've mentioned many times. They they cannot afford to lose anybody. They have no depth. They've got a great great lineup as is, but the depth is something to be concerned with. Yeah, and Scott, what do you make of the Bengals after they were sitting, I believe, in the number one spot in the AFC playoff picture just a couple weeks ago, and now it just seems like all those contenders playing hot potato with that one seed? Last yeah, place. we got Yeah, we <laughs> we get we got to let it see play out. I think they play Vegas next, which I think will be an interesting game for them. You know, that game against Cleveland, like Chris pointed out, you know, I'm looking at the stats. They, you know, Cleveland outplayed them. I don't think there's any question. But, you know, I'm watching that game and Joe Burrow and company, they go right down the field in that opening drive, about to go in for a touchdown. Boom, Denzel Ward takes it back. You know, and they had multiple turnovers in that game. I just wonder if they would have scored a touchdown in that first drive, if things would have been a little bit different. Who knows, right? And, um you know, but they didn't, and uh, you know, give credit to Cleveland where credits due. So I need to see a little bit more because I think there are pieces of this team that are pretty good. They're probably not quite where you know some people may have thought they were at one point, uh, but I think they're much better than they were last year. And I think they're a team that can beat anybody on a given Sunday. But maybe they're just not quite ready yet. But you know, the uh, few more weeks here, we'll get a better idea of what this team is really all about. I agree 100% with you. I was scared out of my mind because uh, Cleveland was uh, very important for me uh, for contests, and uh, it was looking bad. Uh, I was so grateful that they had that pick 100. And, you know, Cleveland benefited for the first time uh, in like 40 years. They're the first team to have had uh, three 60-yard-plus TDs in three different categories. I forget what they were. But, uh, you know, just, you know, they were lucky. The Cleveland guy had some luck going their way. Changed the game. Yeah, Cleveland definitely looked uh, lucky and good this past Sunday. But for Cincinnati, this got to your point, probably somewhere between how we perceive them coming into this year and that you know number one AFC seed they appeared to be in line for just a couple weeks ago. So it's going to be a very telling foreseeable future for the Bengals. And with that Q&A in the books, that'll do it for our early look at the Week 10 board. Thanks once again to everybody for tuning in. If you're with us on YouTube, go ahead and give this video a quick thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, and don't forget, if you want to get an early start on your Week 10 portfolio, you can do so by signing up at BetUS. Use that promo code NFL2021 for a 125% sign-up bonus. We'll be back with you on Friday for a full look at the weekend board. Again, on Friday, that's going to be 12 p.m. Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. We'll see you then right back here at BetUS, where the game begins.